Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Ardent Run Club. I'm Tommy, I'm your host, and today I'm joined by a complete and utter machine. A top athlete from the Northeast, a member of Gateshead Harriers, always seeking new challenges and pushing himself. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Ali Bailey. <laughs> Ali. <laughs> Ali, man. I was thinking. Yeah, good, man. Good. How you doing? How's your day been? Yeah, good. Good. Sunset and I've got a coffee, so being yeah. out and around a day, nice and tired, so I'll probably sit here all night and speak <laughs> here, to be honest, and just not move. <laughs> <laughs> man, yeah, this is going to sound so bad. I woke up this morning and I looked at the snow outside. I saw it was all frozen. I was like, yeah, the run is not happening today. I'm not about to slip everywhere. But you're you're built different. You're not like me. <laughs> <laughs> but I was there. I had a, a five mile TT planned in, so that obviously didn't happen. I was meant to go and run with Dan. Dan's flying at the minute, so he wants to get a time in. Um, and he yeah. ended up getting about half a mile up his street and wrapped it. <laughs> so he, he turned back and driving tunnels and takes on instead. So, oh, um, geez. nah, it was nice. Yeah. Taking it easy. Yeah. Luckily, I've got a golf club nearby, so just run across the golf club and stuff. Oh, which not is bad. really good when that's good. That's yeah. awesome, man. Okay. But yeah, man. I guess we'll just get into it. Like, I, it's funny. It's like I've asked this question to a lot, to a few of the people from Gateshead, but now I kind of think it applies to you. It looks like Rising Sun Park Run is your stumping ground because when I went on your power of ten a few weeks ago. I just saw you were literally coming first in all of them. Like, what's what's that about? How can you be so consistently number one at Parkrun? <laughs> that Parkrun's cool, really, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, Mick Day runs Horizons on Parkrun. He's, he's a bit of a legend. Um, I think yeah. he used to run for Wolves and Harry has and probably still does, I think. But he works offshore and him and his wife set up the Horizons on Parkrun and I used to just drop down there, probably like I used to work cl- close to the rising sun on the cobalt and drop down there. And really, ever since then, just kept it going. And that's where I met uh, Dan Alexander, who twisted my arm eventually and ended up at Gateshead. But um, <laughs> it's just good, good atmosphere, good vibes, and just like running around people. It's not necessarily I don't regard it as a race or anything like that, but just like sometimes. <laughs> Being a long distance runner, it could be pretty lonely sometimes, just pounding the pavement yeah. for hours every week and getting down to a park run is just a nice way to break that up. And yeah, I think Gus mentioned it as well on his podcast. Is like it's just a really nice way to test the legs. And normally on a on a Saturday for me, it's kind of a session day. Um and mm-hmm. park run just fits nicely into that with a nice kind of either tempo effort or threshold effort. Um and yeah, so, I'm a bit competitive. So like, if if somebody turns up there and fancies putting the gas on, and I didn't really yeah. want to put the gas on, kind of just pulled <laughs> into it, and I'm a bit of a like that. So, um, no, nah, it, and it's it's a good course. It's it's not like one of these boring ones where like it's three laps of a field and it's pan flat and you can run like 15 flat easily. It's like up and down and round and through the mud and. Um, nah, it's just mm. a really good environment. Um, I think yeah. Gus said it as well. It's like the volunteers, the atmosphere, it's just like they're the heroes Next of level. it, really. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, it's like it's the sociable aspect of it more than anything. 
Yeah. It's weird though, because 5K isn't even your main event and you can still consistently compete at that. Like even if somebody does turn up, like you were telling me a few weeks ago about how you met Dan Alexander. Why don't you unpack that story actually? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so like, I'm really, I only got into running seriously like probably year and a half, two years ago. Um, before then, like mid twenties, early twenties, I was a cyclist and rode my bike a lot. Um, yeah. And really, I used the park run on a Saturday occasionally, just when I wasn't like cycling with friends or anything like that. And it was just something different to do. And I ended up turning up there. And I think Rising Sun was him his stomping ground a bit because it's just on his doorstep. <laughs> um, and I, I remember him like turning up one day. And, I was like, oh, he, he looks pretty fit. Like, he's athletic, but he's built like an absolute machine. So, like, it should yeah. be a good race, but I'll, I'll have him. Um, and I kind of got that little competitive edge in us anyway. Long story short, he absolutely panned me. Um, like, he flew off, and I was like, oh, this guy's going to have a bit quicker. And he just kept going. Um, but Parkrun being Parkrun, we kind of, like, caught up. And then week after week, he stepped coming back, and he kept panning me, panning me, and competitive side in his was like right I'm going to train a little bit more running now and I'm going to, I'm going to go yeah. back on a Saturday morning and eventually I'll catch um, so we just got chatting from there really and like being like best buds ever since um, run loads together um, train probably three times a week or so with Dan obviously yeah. at the club as well but we like to get like a long Sunday running and I think he kind of also pulled into my side of things with the endurance events um, like I'm more yeah. focused on longer distance stuff, especially like with a cyclist background. When you turn up with 5K and it's done within like, well, fast lads, like 14, 15 minutes. For me, a little bit more than that. But um, I just see it as like, whoa, oh, that's done. That's quick. It, it's hurt, <laughs> but it, it's done really quick. I'm kind of like yeah. more on the endurance side and like to test myself over a couple of hours rather than like mm. 10, 15 minutes. So um, we're talking marathons. So yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, half marathon, marathon. That's kind of like where I found myself. Right. I think um, it's it's similar in the in the biking world where most most people in like a time trial would be tens or fifteen miles, yeah. which is like 20, twenty minutes for the good guys. Like the really quick guys, it's like sub twenty. Um, for the average guys, like twenty two minutes, and that's kind of like the base level entry for the cycling guys and. I was with the cycling when you moved up in the distance I got more competitive so like when I got to 25, 50, 100 miles like I was gaining on the quicker guys um, and it's, it's just the way I've always been wired I think like really yeah. slow twitch I haven't got much fast twitch in me at all <laughs> but you're a machine just keep it going non-stop <laughs> I'm certainly a diesel engine oil burner um, amazing well so, why yeah. did you take it but you like you mentioned that you turned up to the park when you're originally a cyclist but what when did you actually like what actually got you properly into running and training consistently um so that you can compete in longer events like the marathons yeah well i think cycling helps like um it was like going back to when i first started running like 
I, I wasn't born into running like some of the guys on your podcast before. Um, yeah. Like going back to going back to a kid, I was like a footballer. Um, so played football at school. Um, really competitive. Um, played for a couple of decent teams. Uh, played for like Northumberland, the little county, and that was really cool. And I, I just wanted to be a footballer. Like I get home from school, throw the bag on the floor, and go and play football until it was time to go to bed. Nice. Um, and, and and as I came into like my teenagers, I uh, picked up an injury. I got tendonitis in my knees, um, which wasn't good, and had like six months out. And especially when all your mates and stuff are playing, it's like really hard. Yeah. And took up golf and decided to get pretty good at golf. So I ended up playing a four uh, handicap, which you probably won't have many golf listeners in, but it's a pretty good standard. It's not magnificent, nice. but it, it means every time you, you play a golf course, you've essentially got four shots against the course and that's it. Your average guy's probably like a shot hole, which is like 18, something like that. So um, wow. I think Alex Brown's a good golfer as well. So be, Rooney is a golfer, um, yeah. Yeah, so we, we turned to running really in the rehab from that just to get fit again and then kind of early 20s I thought um let's just sign up for a marathon why not um it was like one of them things that was like can I do it I can't I do it uh there's kind of only one way to find out and like I, I regarded myself generally fit because of playing team sports yeah. um but I signed up I signed up for the Kiel marathon and like 2012 or something like that uh, and yeah started off and thought ah, it's nice and scenic it's lush this slowly and slowly legs got really heavy yeah. and by like 70 miles you come to the dam at Kielder and I was a broken man like I was regretting <laughs> it so bad um, I remember the brother-in-law handing me a bag of jelly babies now I've never eaten a pack of jelly babies so quick. Like, I was a, I was a walking wounded man, um, and really from then, like I just scrambled home. It was freezing cold. It was windy, oh, and then like it was cramping up. And I think I, I finished in like four hours and ten minutes or fifteen minutes, something like that. But I remember I was like, I finished it and I, I've done it. And it was like, it was a sense of achievement. But at the same time, I was like, man, that was horrendous. Like, I've mm-hmm. got to be able to do better than that. And yeah. that's where the bug started, I think. Okay. Um, didn't really take it up as a competitive sport, but it was like, I've got to do better at that. And it was kind of, I juggled a lot of things like playing football, running, got into cycling golf it was like i was juggling all sorts of things but that really is where the bug started i think yeah and so what did you do to like get to that from that level to where you kind of are right now i guess uh, I, I don't know really i think back in 2012 i think from then until probably 2018 i was more focused on the cycling because again i was having problems with my knees again and mm. I think with the impact of running, it was causing just so many problems. And it was frustrating that I would run for like a week or two and then pick up an injury, normally with like my calf or hamstring or something like that, because I struggle with my posterior chain. It's just super tight, really inflexible. And um, so I, t- I took the took the cycling more than, more than anything and dug in yeah. with that. And that's where like I found a love for the endurance stuff, like 
doing 20, mm. 25 hour weeks and just enjoying riding with friends and then got into the competitive side of cycling and racing. Um, but in terms of running, I didn't really start looking at it competitively until like 2018. Yeah. Um, 2019 really where um, I'd, I'd somehow, well, over the years from like 2012 to 2018, I'd done the occasional like marathon again. So I went to Edinburgh, which is a bit more forgiving than Kielder and managed yeah. to do like three something, 3.30 or 3.40. And then I was like, well, I can chip a bit more off that. And as I was training more on the bike, I used to do the occasional run, but like I'm talking probably 15 miles a week, max like 20 miles a week. And everything was just focused on the, on the runner, on the cycling, sorry. Yeah. And then like 2018 was the one where I finally broke three hours for the marathon. And then I ran Kielder and finished second there. And I thought, wow. you know what? I'm not really doing anything to train for running specifically. But I'm starting to get better results than I am cycling. So why not focus a little bit more on the running and let the cycling take a back step? And then that's kind of where I pushed on a little bit and um, I think probably start training specifically for running from then and just using cycling as like volume or yeah general cardiovascular work. Right. Um, and yeah, I think when it really started getting serious is when I got into London 2019. Yeah. Because um, that was the time where I wanted to get a good time for once. Like it wasn't just about chipping away at a, at a time previously and doing it for the fun and enjoying it. It was kind of like, I'd done a marathon now. I know I can run the distance and I'd start and getting better at it. But London was like, I've got six months to train and get a really good time and focus on this. So I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the mileage generally started to ramp up. I would spend my hours running rather than cycling and yeah what's unbelievable what do you think's harder running training or cycling training oh it's a tough one I think on your body physically running certainly more demanding so like you could go out for an hour run and pound yourself like do a really hard session and be wasted like on the cycling side, though, it's just like more forgiving on the joints. Yeah. You could burn yourself for an hour and get a really good workout. Um, but you could get up and go again either that night if you train in the morning or or the next day without any real like fatigue in terms of like muscle aches and pains or joint pain. Um, but that said, I think like on, on the local scene, um, I raced for a club called GS Metro and still in the GS Metro. And like some of them guys, like they're the, probably the best amateur team or certainly one of the best amateur teams up and down the country. And they've got a few guys in there, which are just absolutely insane. Um, and they're like family guys as well. So it's not like they're just focused on cycling and that's like their life. And they're pretty much semi-pro. Like these are guys with nine to five jobs and they've got families at home and, they're fitting in like 20, 25 hour weeks, getting up at five, six o'clock in the morning, doing a couple of hours and then a session on a night time. It's like, 
it's it's unbelievable the way they pack it in. And these guys, I mean, Carl yeah. Donaldson, he's probably going to listen to this on the turbo as we speak. Um, like at five o'clock in the morning before work. Um, got like people like Danny Greaves and you know, he's a national twelve-hour champion. Um, wow. Adam Wild, who's just another, just lives around the corner from me. Last year, he won in the national twelve-hour. After Danny, he won another couple of national titles, and these are guys who are just like he's training to be a doctor. So like, it, it's not as if like he's just <laughs> applying himself to cycling. It's like yeah, these are guys are doing real worthwhile living their life, and at the same yeah. time winning national titles which is crazy uh, i find it like yeah i find the mindset of those cyclists i just find them tough like they're really tough yeah. guys like just total machines like way more of a machine than i am Walking you've been around like that like, elite you've, you've been around like the elite sort of vibe for ages then so you've seen you must know what it is like to train hard in both in both sorts of sports and I guess what what is your training like now that you focus a lot more on running, um, and how yeah how does a week usually look for you? Uh, it, it, it's generally weekend focused. So again, like working nine to five during the week, and the weekends like a real good time where I like to generally get two quality sessions out on a weekend. Um, so. A, mon- a Monday after that would be like generally nice and easy, just like volume based recovery. Um, and we'll meet up with the guys and girls gated on a Tuesday night. So generally have an easy Monday, um, just miles, probably like an hour's worth, just flushing the legs out from the weekend before. A Tuesday would generally be a, a gated session, which at the moment, like road rep focused. Um, so I mean that could just be like from short road reps, 400, 600s up to like mile reps or or tempo based work. Uh, then on a Wednesday because like that would be three hard days in four, I would generally relax again and, and just kind of try and recover a little bit, flush the legs out. Mm-hmm. Um, Thursday would generally be it depends if I'm feeling all right, I'll, I'll go and do like a tempo or a fart leg session, um, where I just push the legs on and it's not like pushing my body to the limit where it's screaming but it, it's certainly working hard but if it's still fatigued from those days then I, again I'll just take it easy and I'm quite flexible because I know I want my body to be in good shape by the time it comes to Saturday and Sunday yeah um and then Friday um again it's a little bit like a Thursday where I'll probably just take it easy and it's all volume based uh, and I want my body to be like totally ready for the Saturday session um I mean the Saturdays they used to be a park run before 2020 <laughs> yeah I'd always incorporate a park run somehow like whether that be just catching up with people and then I would go away and do some some like reps after or use it as like a time trial effort or, or a tempo effort or a threshold effort but again like I could set out on a Saturday morning with some good intentions. Generally, like run to park, run, nice warm up, and then I'd be nice and primed on the start and ready to just have a nice little tempo run and then run back. It's like a long extended cool down, and somebody like Dan would turn up and he knew that like that tempo was now a threshold slash race effort. It was probably a bit harder than he wanted to go. With it. Um, <laughs> and then Sunday, 
Sunday generally with us being like focused on the marathons is is a long run. Um yeah. like a couple of hours. Um and d- depending on where I am in a in a block looking up to a race depends like how hard that is um whether it's like yeah. really just volume bit or whether i'm doing like a session within the long run as well to, yeah to really get my legs prepped and ready for yeah. the marathon effort that's up yeah so yeah i was really weekend focused. yeah i was looking at um obviously following social media and i saw you and dan have been training um for what looks like an event coming up later on this year like a few weeks ago you ran the chip the cheviot hills for a bit and then it got like freezing or something and then i also saw you did like a 30 mile run in the lake district as well and all that sort of stuff what's going on and why are you doing all of that stuff because that looks mental (laughs) yeah again it's like a little bit like when i ran kielder for that first time is like I didn't know what was possible in terms of my legs. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like that little curious side of us, which is like, what's kind of next in terms of like distance or speed and kind of all the marathons getting cancelled. So signed up to do Boston and Berlin last year. It's yeah. Part of the majors of the marathon. They kind of got the door shut in them um, with COVID. Um so really trying to take things into my own hands and test myself in a different way and signed up on the 8th of May this year I've signed up to do um it's called the Bob Graham round um so that is really something that's completely out of the comfort zone and it's it's lake in the lake district it's like pretty much the pinnacle of the Lakeland fell run challenge um in that you you start and finish at uh, Keswick Moot Hall which is just the centre of Keswick. Um, and you've essentially got 24 hours to get round um, a 66-mile loop, um, which right. takes in 42 of the, the fells in the Lake District. And I mean, to put it in perspective, that's pretty much the height of Everest, 27,000 feet. And I think Everest's like 27 and a half or 28 or something. So yeah, it, it's just one of them things that I, I've supported a few guys. I mean... If anyone's listening out there and like, well, what is he going on about? Give it a Google because I'm, I'm probably not doing it any respect whatsoever. It's like it's got a lot of history and it's it's quite a prestigious thing um, for for fell runners. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd give it a bash. Um, I've yeah. helped a few friends out. I mentioned Danny before on the side list. He, he's like uh, I said they were tough before. He decided like after. The cycling season that he would just turn to fell running and signed up for this and within six months give it a crack so I've, I've helped him out and he completely drowned um it's it just wired differently um but yeah. helped a few other mates out as well and fell running is just it's completely different to road running across country it's, it's just like so peaceful yeah. I mean, there's some people listening, going out and running in the fells for like six or seven hours might sound crazy, but it's kind of like hiking, running, descending. It's it's not like running on the roads for seven hours. I mean, I couldn't think much worse than running on the roads for seven hours. But yeah. in the fells, it kind of just seems to pass really quickly. And I, I really enjoy my time in the fells. There's just something about it. So, yeah, That's I signed brilliant. up for that. And then 
told Dan, and Dan, Dan's probably more excited than what I am. I'm pretty apprehensive now. <laughs> I'm pretty scared. I'm stupid. What, what have I done? I've signed up to this thing. Um, there's another um, kind of circuit in the lakes. I mean, the lakes is huge. You can do any sort of circuit. But there's another circuit called the Abraham's Tea Round, um, which is 30 miles and sort of 10, 10 11,000 feet or something. So my infant wisdom I had a little look and went down do you fancy doing this just a random Saturday before Christmas and Anne was like I've never really ran in the fells before so I was like buy a pair of shoes and yeah. uh, I'll, I'll get you a bag and we'll just do it <laughs> and he was like yeah yeah 30 mile how long can it be you guys anyway it took about eight crazy. hours <laughs> actually it's crazy um, I cannot believe it <laughs> What the heck? So with this Bob yeah. Graham round, then do you have like a target time or anything? Uh, yeah. So you you're given twenty four hours to get around, and to to be honest, I'd be really happy with twenty four hours and and just getting around. Like the sense of achievement for me, just completing it a little bit like a first marathon, just getting around is kind of the target. Yeah. But then the, the people I've spoke to is like, oh, you run a marathon in like two twenty seven. You you're gonna fly. You're gonna be fine. You're gonna do this and that. But like. I don't know. I mean, it's totally <laughs> curious as to what my body and both mental as well is going yeah. to respond like. So, so how I've can you? Because it. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, can can you break it down? How how would you attack it? Because if you've got sixty six miles to get around the whole thing in twenty four hours, like in twenty four hours, I don't know about you, but I'd want to probably have a, a nice seven eight hours sleep so how how do you how do you fit that into your run or do you even do that yeah i mean i, I won't be doing it but um it, the traditional things to set off at midnight um so then you kind of got to get back in the full day um and, and it's up to the runner when they want to go so um i'm gonna set off about four o'clock in the morning so i can get a, at least a partial sleep in the night before Mm-hmm. Um, as long as I'm not too excited, I'm, I'm one of those that the night before a race can't sleep anyway. So that might be a, a bad decision, but um, the the run itself split into five distinct legs. Where after roughly ten or fifteen miles, you drop down to a road. Um, so generally, you you would have a crew with you of two, three people on each leg, just helping you out. Um, making sure you have food and drink and water and you're going in the right direction because it's not like uh, it's all coned off and there's a nice little pathway you can run. It's just really a free-for-all. Make yeah. sure you go and take in the, the peaks and come back. Um, so I think the the lead up to the event, just making sure that I've had enough sleep in the week before really, um, yeah. fueled up and ready to go. And then a lot of it will be down to the helpers as well. Um, so like I say, making a sacrifice to come and help someone like myself do it is a little bit what the round's all about. I think it's getting involved with the spirit of the round just as much as anything else. And really anyone who signed up to do it are pretty like-minded people in that they would happily help somebody out because they also realise if they want to do it or have done it, then the support um, is just as crucial as your own physical and mental ability you get around yeah um, so yeah i mean it's just one of them things that that's awesome i love a challenge and it sounds like on the verge of 
stupid slash impossible. So <laughs> let's give it a go and see how <laughs> see how I go. That's awesome, man. So apart from that, then do you have any goals for this year for running? I mean, you can't really tell what's going on in the um, year, can yeah. you? But no, like like I said before, it's, I've I've kind of took the first half of the year into my own hands by signing up to this. Yeah. Um. So like putting it in May. There's a reason I put it in May. It's probably a little bit early if I was to do, just like have that as a goal for the year. In that, like right now, it's lockdown and it's not really looking like I'm going to get out to do much like navigation of the course or practicing on the course mm. over in the lakes until like end of March, April time, which is definitely not ideal considering like the elevation changes when I'm just used to running around the streets. And yeah. I think that's going to be one of the hardest aspects. But the reason I put it in May is that um, obviously I got deferred from Berlin last September. Um, and what I did is just rolled forward the entry to this year. Um, so really the, the two events that I've got in the calendar this year, the Bob Graham round in May, and then a gap until the back end of September where it's going to be looking at Berlin again and trying to run a good time in Berlin. Um, I don't think there's a quicker marathon course out there than Berlin. Yeah. Um, so really it's going to be try and get to the end of May and rest and recover up with a couple of weeks just gentle work after after the Bob Graham and then have a good solid block and try and attack Berlin so I think that's, mm. the, that's the two main goals this year is see that's how I get on at the Bob Graham hopefully complete um, yeah. and then to turn back to trying to run quickly over 26.2 yeah that's awesome man and I guess on the like, and an extension of that is how do you generally set your goals for when you are running? Because I guess with you, because you're not like you're. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but from my perspective, your running is less. I know you're competitive, but it's less about winning the gold medal per se, and more about doing the best act, the best you can do, and pushing yourself and like as well like the scenery and the exploring so if that's true how do you go about setting your goals for running um in the long term as well yeah i think the the long term is pretty hard um in that i haven't really thought about it i'm, I'm still pretty fresh to running yeah and that really i've only been applying yeah, myself true. specifically at running for a couple of years and i've bounced around a lot of different sports and um I guess yeah, I'm I'm not like somebody like I you know you had Chris Parr in here and, and Kyle Johnson who are like yeah trying to win medals at the nationals and stuff like that. I mean, I'm pretty realistic with myself and realize that no matter how hard I go, I'm not going to be one of them. And I think it's a bit like that. And 99 of the listeners that you'll have are amateur athletes and they're competing if they really want to win at national events against pretty much professionals either professionals or, or semi-professionals and I certainly mm. don't regard myself in that book I'm definitely an amateur athlete and I think as an amateur athlete it's really all about yourself whether that's just enjoying it because you want to do it and enjoy the journey that you take and or when it's kind of merged with competitive angle like I've got especially from my team sport day as well I wanted to win and Kind of yeah. it's the same, even though it's a solo sport. I, I've always wanted to win or, or do better at myself. Um, it's kind of 
that 220 marathon for me is is a goal that I've got. Um, so hopefully both me and Dan have kind of got that 220 number in our heads. Um, yeah. It's kind of what, again, I think it's kind of on the verge of possible and impossible for my body. Um, and the only way I'm going to find out is by applying myself and trying to yeah. apply myself and get to that 220 number. Um, 220. Yeah. And who knows? Yeah. So I think <laughs> the next the next couple of years is going to be focused on trying to get a 220. Um, and how, we'll see how hard there. is it to... How hard is it to go down from 227 to 220? Because from the outside looking in, that's like just a seven minute difference over 26.2 miles. So it's like a few seconds a mile, probably. So how, yeah, how much of a challenge is it actually to knock that down? Yeah, I think it's, it's it's one of them, isn't it? I mean, seven minutes, I'll say to my dad and he'd be like, oh, you're only like, eight minutes off more at the Great North Run. It's like, yeah, dad, them eight minutes is like ridiculous. Yeah. Like you don't understand how quick he's been. And he's like, no, you're only eight minutes away. But um, it, it's one of them things with anything, the quicker you get, it gets exponentially harder to knock that next second off and shave that next second off. And, mm. um, I think there's, there's just, I think Kipchoge found that out when he was trying to break two and that you could run 201, yeah. 202 pretty comfortably. And then he went to Monaco to try and just shave a minute off and nah. die completely. Um, and yeah. it's, it's finding that, it's pushing that that threshold level where you're just underneath that level where the lactate's holding to be able to push that that bar high enough so you can run at it or just under it um, is what it's all about, really, the half marathon and marathon, where you can run efficiently and quickly at the same time, mm. where you're not producing that last day. And like you say, them seven minutes, um, I, I certainly didn't expect to run 227 when I did. Um, the, the target was to set out with six-minute marathon, and it was one of them where I, I started in the masses, um, and it was kind of like free-for-all in a fight. And then... <laughs> got like three mile in and it was like oh, glad I'm out of that and I merged to where the championship guys were um, and Crazy. I knew Dan was running I looked at my watch and I was like at 5.20s and I was like Ali what have you done here like this is stupidity um, like you're setting out for like 2.35 and you just ran the first 5k like a park run like oh my god what have you done um, and anyway I was like I feel good I'm just going to go with it and it was like got a 10 mile 12 mile 50 yeah like, crazy me i've got plenty of bank here i'm just going to try and stick with it and it was the, fir- the first run i'd done over 20 mile really where i just consistently being at like that 5 pace all the way and that was, it awesome. was really good and like from then i think i alluded to it before that's really the point where i was like i'm ready to like take running a little bit more seriously yeah yeah but really, that, that the last marathon I ran, it was like the first one I really wanted to apply myself, but also the last one. Well, I, I ran Edinburgh six weeks later, which was possibly the worst race of my life. But what happened? Um, yeah, I ran. Eh, well, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I was with um, another local couple of local lads on the start line, Matty Alderson, who's 
an absolute machine himself. You should get Matty on. If you want to talk to a machine, Matty, Matty would be a good guy to talk to. Um, but also another bit of a local legend, Conrad um, from Gateshead. Um, and we kind of set out, and the, there was two Kenyans in the field, or Ethiopians in the field, who were on the start line in their vest, and it was freezing cold, windy day. Um, and they took off like a rocket, <laughs> uh, like they did. And the rest of us kind of just settled in a little pack. And there was about eight, nine of us who were just kind of running the first eight, nine miles together down onto the seafront, what have you. And then kind of just found myself by myself at about 12, 13 miles. Um, and I, I went for a walk. I remember going for a walk at pretty much the halfway point. And I looked back and they were like 100 meters away. And I was like, oh, no, Ali, what have you done yet? So anyway, a little bit like London, I thought, let's just ride it out. Six weeks ago was all right. So yeah, I rode it out and I got to 20 miles and miles couldn't see anyone behind me. There's a part in, in Edinburgh Marathon where you kind of just go along Musselburgh Coast and then turn back and run all the way back. Um, and you go into this like little park, like woodland park, and then you come back down onto the road. So you've done like a capital D shape, really. And then you're running back towards the finish line. And I'm looking back, and it's like 23 miles and couldn't see anyone. I was catching the Kenyan in second. He was only about 100 meters up the road. And I was like, the eyes were lighting up. You know, it's like, it's like, yeah. Well, yeah. And then 23 miles hit. And I've never, ever, ever experienced anything like it before. Um, I think the last... The last 3.2 miles, I think 23 minutes or something like that. It was just oh. unbelievable explosion. Um, like, I went from feeling pretty good to, like, it was the first run I'd ever done in the space of 30, 40 seconds. Um, and one by one, the guys just came streaming past me, like, bye now, bye now, bye now. And I just couldn't do anything, and it was like, mentally it was so dejecting at that point where what happened thought you were going really well was it the lactic or... i'm not sure whether it was like no it was just like it was like seized that got really stiff and just like frozen i think crud i don't know what hitting the wall is but i think that's probably it um yeah. the the term hitting the wall um if i was to ever say what it would feel like i think that would be it. Um, and anyway, I ended up finishing ninth. Um, I did something like two thirty, but um, it was one of them, which is I'm not sure whether it was London just coming out of me from six weeks before, where um, mm. like I'd ran really hard six weeks ago, and it really everything just caught up, or I'd went off too quick, or I I, I really don't know. But it's so that one there is the last marathon I'd run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not Keep that one away from the memory. Yeah. yeah, the next one really needs to erase that. But there yeah, again, exactly. if you'd said at the start of 2019, oh, you're going to run a 2.30 marathon, which is what I did in Edinburgh, then I would have snapped somebody's hand off. So it was kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was good in a way, but it, it, London just completely trumped it. Which... Yeah, fair. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, um, like you mentioned that your dad's like, oh, you're only eight minutes off of Mo Farah for the half marathon. Um you were telling me a funny story about that great North run that you did. Could you share it over here for everybody to hear? Because I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's probably not it's probably <laughs> not the best, uh, best of lights for me. Um, so, like, 
again, I, I'm I'm not not really a, a runner through and through, and I wasn't born into running like some of the other guys. I just found it as like a competitive thing. So I was training for Kielder, um, and by chance, um, a guy I used to work with a week before it, it pulled out. Um, so I was like, oh, I'll have your number. Yeah, why not? Um, so didn't really understand um, how much chaos that causes in the running world, especially with, um, yeah, I, I kind of found that out. Um, but <laughs> got his number, um, starting in Orange Sea, something like that. Certainly in the masses, miles back, took me a couple of minutes to get over the the start line. And obviously I'd, I'd put a good block in and, and using this is uh, is a nice nice lead up to the marathon really and I'd, I'd started off and the legs felt pretty good and I was kind of yeah. going through the pack and then all of a sudden I was like not many people around me on the road and I, I knew I was going well it was like 5-10 pace and I remember getting down on the, the mile at South Shields and like I caught Dan Alexander up um, and like he, he he was busy fighting with someone else, like a local lad. They were like sprint finishing against each other. I remember just like digging. I did like a four forty or four forty five last mile. I just tapped them on the bum <laughs> as we like crossed the finish line. And I got across the finish line sixty eight, and like he was like, "Where on earth are you being? Where you came from? What are you doing?" And I, there's a good picture it's on my social media of like, yeah, I think I've just just run a sixty eight from the masses actually. Um, <laughs> And I showed him my watch, and uh, it, it didn't really have me in the best light because as I crossed the finish line, you could see like the officials there going, "Well, you're not David, are you?" Um, <laughs> and yeah, I probably shouldn't have done it, but everyone's made a mistake, and I mean, worse things happen in the world than that. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you live and you learn. But uh, this is like it's pretty cool. Like sixty-eight minute. <laughs> 68 minute half marathon, two hour 30 um, marathons, both really like good times, but just not how to do the event properly. Like, that's no, amazing. And again, I'd, I'd, I'd done it like just before London as well. I didn't really learn my lesson. Um, and I, I went to the North Pineside 10K again. It was like the day before I'd got a number off someone. Oh, and Dan was racing, he's in really good shape. And I knew he was in really good shape. Um, and he was like, I'm going to win this. I was like, get in. Good lad, you're going to win this. So he set off like an absolute machine. He, I think he did the first mile on like 4.30 or 4.40 or something. He got down the seafront and you couldn't see him. Like a mile into a 10K race. Um, and we got a timeout. And I remember like coming up where the Priory is at timeouth. I was just sitting in the pack, just like taking it as like a good hard effort couple of weeks out from London is like the final effort yeah and we're coming up the Priory Hill and I, just, I was just at the back and just, I mean there was, a, there was a few good lads there I mean Matty Alderson was there I talked about before and David Green who's seemed to get better over the last few years as well he's a really strong athlete and I was just running up this hill and again I looked back and I was in no man's land again I was like I, I didn't realise how good my legs were at that point and I had two options then really I would either like just fade myself back into the pack or like kick on because Dan was still miles up the road yeah so I just ran up the post and probably going out with 430 didn't do Dan any good favours really um, yeah. so we were about three mile in about halfway and he was exploding I was like come on Dan like I caught him by the stage and 
you're going to win the race, come on. He was like, I've got nothing. <laughs> he was dying. <laughs> so then, then again, I was like in this place where I was like, I've been here before. This is not good. You're in somebody else's number. And the, the only thing to do was like kind of pull off, but the streets were like lined with people and they were like clapping yeah. and come on. And the cyclist, the lead cyclist was there. I was like, what can I actually do here? Um, so I decided just to crack on and finish the race. And Bill McGurk was at the finish line who nice like stalwart of the Northeast Sea. And he was like, are, are you Nick? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm definitely not. And he was like, just take a step to the side and, I, I took a good pace then on social media and stuff for that, and um, obviously didn't claim the prizes or anything like that. But um, there was certainly a it kicked up a bit of a fuss in the local the local scene. And to be honest, I didn't Jeez. really understand the significance of what I was doing then, who it would upset and why it was wrong. And yeah, I was a bit naive, but um, I certainly haven't done it again. I won't do it again. But good. it was one of them things. That, I think I broke, like I got the Strava segment thing for the whole race, so I must have been going well. Um, but yeah, I mean, shook hands, made up, and people like George Patterson and Bill McGurk and Archie Jenkins yeah. and all them sort of guys. I get on them, so I see them at an end of an event now, and we have a little laugh. So it's one of them things that, in hindsight, I shouldn't have done, but meh. The memory. Certainly yeah. not the first. It won't be the last to do it, and. It's exactly. a little bit rogue, it's a little bit rough and ready, but yeah. yeah. As long as you don't do it for the Bob Graham, you know, that'll be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's in the spirit of the round. <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> um, I do have um, another question though. Just if we go back to like your, your goal specifically, because you mentioned like you're not trying to like specifically get much faster in terms of like 5Ks and, and something like that for the shorter long distance events. But as a student of running, where do you see that you yourself need to improve overall? Oh, I think there's there's loads. I mean, I'm certainly aware that I'm not going to be as quick as those quick guys. But that sort of short, sharp 5K effort in building the threshold um, is majorly important at the long distance events um like i mean if you look at the likes of the top elite guys at the marathon callum hawkins and yeah the real good gb athletes at that level that can still drop down to 5k and knock a lot of people out of the park like they're pretty close to really 5k times and sure i think for me that where i need to work on is that it's definitely that shorter stuff um, and yeah. albeit where that I'm not going to be setting the world alight or anything like that. But I think it's one of the things that I need to look at and work on to be able to focus on the longer stuff and be stronger mm -hmm. at the longer stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think as well, not being naive and not knocking 100 mile weeks out week after week, it impacts the body a lot more than what it did in cycling. And I can't, like, do those quality sessions that I want to do if my body's completely fatigued all the time. Um, right. So I think I need to get a lot smarter as well with my running and that it's okay to knock the mileage down and go into a session fresh. You get a lot more out of it than what you would going into with fatigue. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's probably probably Makes the sense. biggest areas. Yeah. Uh, Just on the... Um, a lot for me. Yeah. 
just on the like knocking your getting faster like trying to get quicker at the 5k and stuff like that how do you actually do that like from your experience what do you think you're gonna have to do in your training to be able to get that it's it's a lot of speed work i think um something again being someone from a background of enjoying days out on the bike or long days in the fells and stuff it it's something that I don't have much of an appetite for and doing the, the speed work and the sharp sessions, whether that be on a track or doing hilly 600 reps around an industrial estate and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I, I think really to get, to get that sharp and especially like 5k pace, you've got to be doing like 600 reps and K reps, stuff like that, really pushing the speed in your legs, minimal recovery and going again. Um, it's something that I understand as a weakness and, and do work on it. And it's why I think the Gateshead sessions for me have brought me on in the last year or so. Um, but the training for that 5K, somebody like Gus, Gus who you spoke to, who yeah. is predominantly focused on 5K, 10K training. And some of the sessions that guy does, I just can't even imagine. Like he does really hard threshold based type work and then we'll do some strength work at the end like 400s or or reps at the end of a session which for me like a session per se would be like crawling back to the front door because I can't move much more <laughs> uh, so I think yeah. it's batting a little bit wise and, and getting all of your effort out at that top end in a short period of time it's very an easy way to summarize it Makes sense, yeah. Which I'm not really. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> nah, fair man. Well, I guess if we kind of like move away from running a little bit and to take take a look at life from a different perspective, what had what was 2020 like for you? Because I know everybody had their challenges last year, and some were harder than others, like financial or lost loved ones and that sort of thing like throughout the whole of the pandemic and everything that I brought but what was it like for you how do you overcome your challenges and would you be able to give any encouragement to somebody who's who was struggling last year and is looking for hope for this year 2021 yeah I mean 2020 was a it was a bad one wasn't it I mean by everyone's books I'm not sure you'd speak to many people in a sample where they would say 2020 was better than any other year um it, it did have its ups and its downs it for me it, it started with the ups trying to look towards boston and berlin and it, it kind of dwindled away but um i think on a on a wider level it, it was just a genuine genuine emotional roller coaster like going through hope and then oh, there's another lockdown and it's kind of like knocked us back again. But really, I was fortunate in that I managed to stay at work and be able to continue life as normal as much as possible. And um, me and my fiance in the house and lived life. So albeit it was challenging. And I think biggest thing for me is not being able to see close family. I think very much like enjoying like seeing my close family um, yeah. I had a little nephew come into the world and spending time with him would have been fantastic and I just couldn't do it so that was a real challenge but I think more than anything is like 
you've just got to kind of take control of what you can in that everyone's in the same boat. Um, 2020 was a bad one, but you can't really control the outbreak of the virus and yeah. focusing on the things that you can control and execute against that is probably anyone I would be saying to give encouragement to someone. I think as a runner, it's it's easy because that that run, you it, it's your time to just go out and unwind and relax and reflect on everything that's going on. And um, if you just focus on the things that you can control and, and let the rest take care of itself, really, and that whether it be setting up a weekly Zoom so you could talk with the family members or yeah. um, doing something a little bit unusual to take your mind off things. And um, like 2020, I think everybody's had a setback at some stage, but Definitely, life's yeah. like that. It's not a linear line to success. You're always going to fail. And it's really the failures that make the successes what they are. That sounds really cheesy and really cliche, but it's true. I think if you speak to anyone on this podcast, whether it be a runner or a person in their work life, um, they, they set themselves a target. And if anyone has got there in a linear line, I'll be very surprised in that. Honestly, yeah. Um, I think 2020 has just been a bit of, on a, on a lifetime scale, one of those moments where it's been a dip. And yeah. There's always going to be brighter times ahead, and as long as you're focusing on them things that you can control and making the best out of a bad situation, then surround yourself with positive people. Yeah, there's always going to be a better time ahead, and I just think that yeah, we've rolled into 2021, and to be honest, if you could unplug 2021 and restart again, you would. Um, I don't think the next six, seven, eight weeks is going to get any better, but. There will be brighter times ahead, so Definitely. focus on the stuff that you can control. Get out for a run, do things to relieve the stress, or forget about things. Surround yourself with positive people and and move forward yeah. and walk forward together. That's brilliant, man. So encouraging. Thank you. Thanks for that. And um, and just before we go into our quick fire round, which I love to do with everybody that I get to speak to, um, one last question before that is, what have you learned about yourself through running? that you didn't learn about yourself from cycling? Hmm. Yeah, I think it probably reconciles to what I've just said, actually, in that mm. it's, it's not a linear journey to where you want to go on. Like, you always want to achieve something. And you can't just go and get it straight away. Like, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of commitment to go and get Awesome. Um, and you think and you think you're on the front door of it and you just need to walk through the door and all of a sudden you set back three steps and I think running's running's one of them where I've kind of like learned to respect my own body a little bit and bashing of the pavements day after day. You can get away with it for a few weeks, a few months, and then all of a sudden you've been set back. Um so it's a really good time actually running. You just like reflect and think on everything that's been before you in the working day and kind of just the massive stress outpour and that if you have had a bad day it's kind of just one of them things and it's a dip before the peak and that you're always going to come back stronger and it doesn't matter if you've had a good day or a bad day just keeping that focus and aiming for that target that you've got in mind really and just go after it and accept that 
you can have good days, you can have bad days, but keep working towards where you want to work for. And I think running's, running's a good example of that. Yeah. In that some days you'll turn up at a race and think that your legs feel good on that start line and you're out the back. And some days you might turn up on the start line and the legs feel bad and you fly. Um, so, yeah, it's probably what running's done for me. What I've That's learned awesome, man. Just respect really, really that good. down journey. That's really good, man. Awesome. Well, like I said, we're going to get into our quick fire round, which is like the last segment of our conversation of the interview. Um, and essentially just a few quick questions. You cannot actually, it's not really quick. You can answer them as quickly as you like or in as long form as you like. So I might as well start calling it like just a fire round. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll just get into it. Um, yeah. So first question is, what is a race you've always wanted to run in, always wanted to compete in? Um, I don't know, really. I mean, <laughs> again, I, I'm pretty new, but I think that out of the ones that I've got lined up in terms of the marathon majors, that's something I want to take off. I think Boston Marathon is, is the one. Um, just the history behind it. Yeah, the history behind it and the experience of jumping on a plane and flying halfway across the world and landing there and yeah the history and the, the course itself it's a tough one it's, it's not like rapid no yeah Boston Marathon Boston Marathon nice okay what about a location that you've always wanted to run in oh I like scenery um I'm definitely not just out there to go and smash a few reps out so um maybe the South Island of New Zealand or the Rockies in oh. Canada, somewhere like that, where you could probably run for like hours and hours and just forget about everything really. Just the scenery nice. just enough to float around for hours without even realizing. That's awesome. That's really yeah, cool. let's go to the Rockies. Go to the Rockies. Cool. Cool. Okay. Can you rank cross country road and track from best to worst? <laughs> well, road first. Um, Tracking cross country, yeah. track then cross country. Yeah, I think I've done. Um, <laughs> obviously, road speaks for itself, and I've done yeah. like three track races or something about three cross country races. But cross country, uh, I had another stinker there. I mean, I just joined Gateshead and coming back from an injury and thrown into a cross race and breezing about with everyone and then realised how hard cross country actually is so mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the, the northern that's another one that I wouldn't want to talk about in that again Jeez, what year was it though? Uh, 20 it was the year Cal won his nationals alright like 2019 yeah early 2020 I think alright yeah yeah, um, yeah I was at that event in the northerns <laughs> that was a tough oh, one man. Man, it was like, I mean, I'm not the biggest of guys. I'm like, five out, total um, and, and we got to the back end of that course and it was like knee deep mud for me. And some of these like six foot guys just like skipping over it. This is not fair. It's not fair. Yeah. Me. I mean, I, yeah, I, just, I had a bad yeah. day that day. Um, to be fair, I think <laughs> most people had a bad day that day. That was not, yeah, that was not the best event. <laughs> Fair. No. Okay. Um, I'm going to throw this question in here. Running or cycling? 
you had to choose one. Um, running, running. Yeah, nice. I enjoy running more. Nice, that's good yeah, stuff. I'm a runner. Yes, yes mate. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> what's your what's the favorite race that you've ever seen? And that can range from amateur, like mm. to parkrun, north north Tyneside ten k, all the way up to the Olympics and world champs. Ah, um, if I was at the nationals, I'd like to say Carl's national because I, I know the work that he put in before that to like get him mm -hmm. to do that. But it, I didn't get there, so I, I can't really say that. Um, oh. Maybe Kelly Holmes at Athens when she did um, the fifteen hundred. So I remember that it was like after being what eleven something like that. I mean, it's years ago, uh, two thousand and four. Yeah, so it was it was just like a coming into my teenage years and I remember sitting on my mom parents living room floor and this race was just starting in Athens and I think she'd already won the 800 yeah and she was at the back and I remember my grandpa saying this dame's gonna win she's gonna win and I was like shut up she's not but obviously I was wanting to and I was like nah, nah she's out the back and then she started coming through the field and I was like nah she's not and I was like is she she is Christ. And, and then she won and it was like what and, and then yeah. she got a damehood so like my grandpa was there, I guess but yeah I think that, that's one that sticks in the memory bank and not because yeah. like I was into running at that period of time like I just like watching the Olympics and really enjoyed watching sport yeah that that that's really yeah, sticks out yeah yeah, it was awesome and I think to be fair I think if Kelly Holmes marketed herself a little bit more like more Farah someone should be mm. incredibly wealthy because her talent was that was just unbelievable. Amazing, yeah. She was unbelievable. Yeah. Awesome. Who's your favorite athlete of all time? Uh, um, so I'll, stick, I'll stick with, like, the running scene. Because, like... I we can do, we'll do running, and then we'll do another sport as well. Yeah, let's do running. I'll probably yeah. say Killian Jorna. So he's, like, the best mountain athlete there is, really. Um, and yeah, every like ultra race, trail race, endurance event, like he's won, he's just awesome. Um, but I think the reason I like him is like his mental, his mental side of things is just he's the toughest guy I think I've ever read about or came across in, in sport. And that he isn't nice. really afraid to fail, like, you'll always push him to that level where he yeah. fails because then he knows he's limited. So in his latest book, I read, um, it's called Above the Clouds, and definitely recommend that. It's a good read. But he, he talked about his college times where he's kind of in this skiing college and doing athletics all the time. He's running a bit. And one way to test himself was understanding his endurance capabilities without food. So what he did was he stripped Jeez. his cupboards dry of food, gave it to his college mate, and he said, I don't want any of that. Like, I'm testing myself here. And, and, and to put it in perspective, his general day was like getting up in the morning, having breakfast, doing four or five hours skiing, coming back, recovering for a bit, and then doing like two hours in the trails, running on night time. And he gets through the first day, and he's like, he's starving, going to bed. And he gets up the second day, does the same again. And he ran, I think it was like till day four, and he's completely passed out in the morning, <laughs> like going out and skiing. 
but he was like, then he knew, and he says himself, like, he would never recommend it to anyone, but it was one yeah. of them things at that time where he thought it was a good idea, and he was kind of just trying to find his limit. Um, and he's, he's probably not well known to a lot of listeners that you've got, but yeah, Killian Jorne is an animal. Absolutely. Awesome. Animal. That's awesome. This, ma- this next non- question might tie into non- this. Running. Oh, wait, yeah, sorry. Oh, I forgot yeah, about on, that man. one. None running. No, no running first. Non running is going to go uh, probably Ronnie O'Sullivan. He's a snooker player. Most people probably turn off right now when I say snooker. <laughs> but like one of the, he's like an enigma. He's just like so good at what he does and he's like ultra talented but modest mm. at the same time. He's just like, he just goes out and plays snooker because he loves it. But he's like yeah. the best by a mile. Best that ever has been by a mile, talent wise. There um, we go. So yeah, Ronnie O'Sullivan. <laughs> awesome. Um, the question I was going to ask was what's your favourite book? Yeah, you, pro- you probably guessed I like a good autobiography. I like to read it in the minds of minds of people. But um, I think the best one I've read was The Chimp Paradox. Um, it's by Dr. Steve Peters. And it's, it's all about psychology and he, he talks about mindset and you're in a chimp and really and how to like control that and like thoughts yeah. um, that you would have in, in talks about psychology behind it and how to control those type of thoughts. And he, he's worked with many successful athletes as well. Like I think he's worked with the British cycling team and he worked with Ronnie O'Sullivan for a bit because he's a bit loose cannon himself, but um yeah, he's incredibly insightful and incredibly intelligent, and that was a good read. I think it's it's worthwhile for any athlete or any sportsman yeah. or anyone who, yeah, battles with themselves on a day to day basis. It's it's a really good read. Um, yeah, it gives a lot of insight in the mind, which is what I like cool. about. It. Cool. I'm gonna read that. The chimp paradox. Lockdown. Or get a- yes i'll drop it in indeed i've got i've got it upstairs i'll give you it man thanks man (laughs) okay um what's your favorite show your favorite movie and your favorite documentary i'm not a massive tv man to be honest if if i'm gonna watch tv it's like sport i'll watch anything on i'll watch anything on the sports channels like like cross-country skiing or or football or, or rugby yeah, or whatever, yeah. like I watch sports. Um, TV show, probably, it's probably a toss up between Line of Duty or Peaky Blinders. Um, uh, <laughs> go Line of Duty, Line of Duty. I like Line of Duty. It's okay. Good. Keep you guessing. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, final question of the quick fire round Do you have any hidden talents? Nah, not really. Um, <laughs> Simple. I'm a bit boring. I'm a bit straight up and down. I'm an accountant by trade, so like, <laughs> what you see is what you get. But I think in what I do enjoy is cooking. Um, so in the kitchen, yeah. not many people do that. Um, I'm often spamming Jeez. the running lads in the group chat with like slabs of meat I've just bought, and like nice, nice tuna or something like that, or, or nice beef fillet or something like that. Um, <laughs> so like, like. A like to get the chef on a bit. Um, I'm not as keen as Carl and setting up an Instagram account or anything like that. But yeah, I like to get in the kitchen and, and eat well. Um, yeah. In lockdown one, me and my fiance set up. We did like master chef for each other every Friday night, which was quite cool. Again, it was like yeah. one of them things. I was just like doing something else and doing something a bit different. 
Yeah. So, yeah that's cool. awesome, man. Quick and nice. All right, cool. <laughs> Sweet. Well, I guess to wrap it up then, um, the question I'd like to end all of these off with is, um, do you have any advice for anyone that is getting into running and wants to be really good at it? Yeah, and getting into it, the biggest, it's the biggest step. Um, and it's just really in, go out and do it and, and enjoy it. Um, probably find somewhere local that isn't too far away and it's, it's scenic. So you're not like concentrating on running around an industrial estate and you know you're running and it's slow yeah. and it's dragging and it's boring. Just getting somewhere that's nice and scenic or to a local park room where there's loads of people about and it, it's sociable and just getting involved. It, yeah. Look, if you're, if you're just getting into it, you, you're not going to be rapid. I certainly wasn't. Um, and well, I'm not now, but it's just getting out there and enjoying it and jogging around the streets and almost like you're not running, but you'll still get the running euphoria at the end. And then the more awesome. and more you get into it, then um, join a club. I think that's probably a, a good bit of advice. Get a local club and surround yourself with like, like-minded people who are all runners and enjoying running. Doing sessions as a, as a group always helps because you're kind of there as a team and you're doing it together um like awesome. a running by yourself for five six seven days a week isn't much fun um yeah. if you're just getting into running i suppose so surround yourself with positive people and a good coach if you want to get good i think um, yeah people awesome. who are quicker than yourself and are always going to pull you on yeah um, that's someone cool. to someone to lean on yeah yeah that's really cool well listen guys Firstly, thank you so much for joining me today, Ali. Um, very kind of you, and I'm glad we got to have this conversation. Um, if you if you haven't got if you haven't got Ali on um, on social media, um, his Instagram is at Ali underscore Bailey underscore. So let's get him to like twenty thousand followers by the end of the week. <laughs> yeah, that's got like five or something. <laughs> I'm pretty boring on social media. Like, I post like coffee or food or, or running. That's about it. Like I'm, yeah. I'm really boring on social media. So oh my days. Well, follow him if you want to. He doesn't seem too bothered, but I'm bothered. <laughs> uh, make sure you follow at Ardent Run Club on Instagram and at This Is Ardent on social media for updates on this podcast and us over here at Ardent. And subscribe to Ardent Run Club on Spotify on apple podcasts on itunes and whatever your podcast platform is um just so you can keep up to date with the new weekly episodes so yeah ali just before we wrap up anything any last words anything you want to say no i just appreciate you getting me on and i mean i've really really enjoyed this podcast um it's been thank you it's been class um so i'm i'm really happy that i'm actually on it now i think i'll be a bit cringy listening to myself back. i might skip mine but now nah, keep at it keep up the good work and now nah, people like me and loads of people around the northeast are enjoying this podcast so yeah keep up the good work and yeah look forward to the next person thanks man i appreciate that and thank you guys for tuning in to audit run club episode 19 with ali bailey i hope you've learned something i hope you've been inspired and i hope you find your fire See you next time.